Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Digital Dialogues. I'm Paul Barlow, one of the hosts of the Digital Dialogue series. In each episode, we take you on a journey through some of the biggest digital questions in the asset-intensive industry. Each episode is focused on a different topic and has some interesting guests providing expertise and real-life insight into the topic at hand. The aim is to unpack and discuss each of these in detail and what they mean for you and your organization. From experience, we know that recurring data problems harm efficiency and can be exceedingly frustrating for system users trying to execute daily tasks, which is why this episode we'll be discussing the Touchstone Data Quality Insights Service, a fast, proven method to probe data health in your IBM Maximo system, allowing you to remediate issues, minimize execution errors, and improve returns on critical asset investments. Today, we're joined by Richard Jackson, Platform Delivery Manager, and Chris Wright, Practice Director at Certus Digital. How are you both going today? Good, thank you. Great, thanks, Paul. Yeah, bit of a lengthy introduction to everyone, yeah. It, it's good, it's nice. All right, um, I guess the first question I've got for you, the first sort of point I want to go over is, um, what, what would you say is like a brief overview of the Data Quality Insights service, and how would you describe it? Uh, okay, sure, I'll, I'll, give it, I'll give you my, my first take. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess this solution came about um, uh, in part looking at how customers are migrating into Maximo, and we we had some tooling and techniques that we were using around reporting quality issues that were coming from external source systems, and uh, we kind of pivoted some of that IP that we'd created in that space towards looking at what happens after you're in Maximo. Um, and by simply looking at uh, some of the, the low-hanging low fruit missing and gaps in data, but then also looking at um, some of the process issues that might occur or common problems that could occur in your data set in Maximo and how you can report on those and track um, whether those are improving over time or whether you're remediating those over time. And obviously, you can't um, and track what you don't measure. So giving you a means to measure where you're at at one point in time and then roll the clock forward a month and uh, look at whether you're addressing the, the issues of the past um, and what new issues might be surfacing that might be an indication of uh, where you might want to um, improve your process or improve your system to um, prevent those occurring in the future. Anything you want to add, Richard? Or does he cover it pretty well? No, I think he's covered it very nicely, actually. <laughs> now, look, um, from my perspective, um, the you know, there was a conversation I had the other day around whether data quality is, uh, to use the word sexy, I guess. Like there's other aspects, there's things like mobility where you get to play with, you know, some very visual, exciting type things. But the data quality is actually super, super important. And I don't necessarily think we instantly leap to that, that, that thought around it. So quite excited about a, a process, a system that can, can aid in that area. Um, Possibly, though, you know, we need to have a conversation like we are doing now around why that's important as well. But yeah, I think How maybe partially, partially to address that, to make it sexy. Um, yeah. So yeah, some of the early work we did was was sending emails to customers saying, "Here's a table of all the bad data you've got," and um, that was really, you know, mundane and boring and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of human work associated with it. So part of this solution was actually introducing Power BI into the mix so we can chart and report on things and um, kind of bring that data quality issue to life. That, that actually raises a really interesting point for me. And sending that information out to a client 
does it for you guys build credibility and trust in their eyes? Because you're obviously showing them things that they need to know that they might be missing. It, would you consider that an element as to why this service is needed to help build that sort of credibility and trust? They might find it annoying. We keep them, keep sending them problems. <laughs> uh, so, so we move it into a system. At least then the systems at blame, not not us. <laughs> That's that. I like that. I like the sound. Blame the machines. It's all the machines' fault. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Like, are there any sort of other um, reasons that you can think of that a service like this might be needed? Um, from myself, uh, putting on a customer success hat, um, it's those conversations I was just sort of talking about before. It's what what that data does. It's how it gets put to use. It's what it unlocks. Um, so shining a bit of light on that, you know, if you can sort out your data quality, that means your credibility, your trust in the decision making insights you're getting uh, is is raised, is there. Um, it, it's it's those types of conversations around what you're going to do with the data that I think is really important. And so a system like this that addresses that, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of super important. And I keep coming back to it, maybe not um, as aware for a lot of people. So Chris, for you, how important then is this for things like reporting, KPI, compliance, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's all different grades, I guess, to data quality issues so sometimes it's missing data um you know uh, one of the examples we had was really early on and people listening out there would probably know me more of a um, integration or systems guy so not the maximo guy but the like the first rule that that we kind of came up with in space and like let's look at whether the asset install date is in the future so the install date should never be in the future because you know, that time hasn't passed and you want to know when something was put in the field and, and track over time because obviously when it was installed goes to when it when it's likely to need service and when it might fail eventually in the future. And so, yeah, so that was the first rule we came up with. Um, so it's really, it's um, it's bad data. It's obviously bad data that exists. And, and we ran um, that query over a customer's repository and we found 30,000 instances where that was the case. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that, that kind of gets to like a, you know, there's maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe they just pick, you know, first the first 2050 as a, we're going to install this date and there, there's a cause, but there's lots of different grades to it. So that could be a, a, a type of rule where, yeah, we've got a, a problem with some data and you can't track failure in the future. So that actually could be such a simple little rule that's when what's the install date but it goes to what you can do around your asset investment planning and your maintenance planning around a particular asset um so yeah that's just like such a simple example but you can see how much implication you can have off that and then some of the you know the broader team that um i work with at certus so people that have worked in the enterprise asset management space for many years have come up with a whole bunch of other rules of quality issues, some that I don't understand, but talking about um, different scenarios of um, cross data that might exist around work orders, for example, that um, could be an indication of where you've got a um, process failure that's getting in the way of how you're capturing data in the field. So, over the last couple of days, I had a fascinating conversation with my father who used to work in this field, and he's very recently retired. And 
he has fought technology every step of the way. He's just one of those people who's set in his ways, but he finally admitted that something as simple as having a tablet system to be able to access work logs made things so much more efficient because he had a bad habit of losing the paperwork. I'm kind of curious how this service helps with things like operational inefficiencies. Yeah, that it was screaming out and there's a big tie into the whole mobility piece, which I know yeah. is not the topic of today's conversation, yeah. but all those uh, top tips for when you're out in the field are underpinned by the data quality. So yeah. exactly what you're saying. If my asset isn't in the right location, uh, if we haven't loaded the right spare parts about it, um, the health and safety implications, for example, you know, uh, you end up with people rocking off into the field. Um, they've got the cool tools, exactly what you're talking about. They've finally been given yep. all the information they need. Only define when they get there, things don't quite line up. Um, and often that, that just leads to, you know, frankly, a lot of driving around. I've got to go back and get another part. I need a different type of health and safety procedure um, or some gear for it, that type of thing. So um, that harks back to what I'm saying, like the, the data underpins so many things in future that we don't necessarily think about at the time. Like some of us uh, think it's a very exciting topic, of course. For others, it can be quite dry. and um, but it's understanding that flow on, you know, the, the, the functionality that you can get or or break, frankly, if if these little pieces don't seem that exciting, but if, if they're not there, you know. So that no, was a good well, point, Chris. I've forgotten about the visual aspect. A clock. <laughs> one loose screw yeah. will break a clock. That's all it takes. It doesn't seem complicated <laughs> exactly. from the outside until it breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of curious, then, how does Data Quality Insights Service address sort of the problems that we've talked about and then looking at things like safety impact is that something that people take on board with this service is it is it sort of one of those areas that people don't even think about and really should it's kind of two parts to that question you know one is um what what are the flow on effects from it but the mm -hmm. first one i'll um, hand over to chris there um, <laughs> in terms of how it does what it does yeah, I mean, I guess, um, yeah, on that piece, you know, we would say with this tool, anything you can create a query for, we can track and measure over time. So um, if you've got attributes of your data and you can query for it, you can query is um, and return a result set back that says, yeah, these are the bad things, then we can track that and we can report that over time and, you know, track that those new events are occurring um, over time as well that might be introducing more bad quality data so um yeah basically anything you can create a query for we can track as a as a potential data quality error yeah it's sort of forgotten there chris but that, that that's spot on as well that for each one of those faults the way to correct it could be wildly different so mm. some of them could just be uh, we haven't collected data in this space that's why it's empty and that's why that particular query has found it um, others yep. could be sort of quite more involved there could be a process issue um, exactly what you're saying you know we're we're closing off work in the wrong way or we're not collecting enough information before we close it off or um we've had examples of people using templates to upload data um that are you know the, the spreadsheet is set on a file and, and it's a bit out of date now so when that's loaded each time that's loaded um some aspects of the data are wrong when it comes in so so that, that i mean that probably is later on in the conversation but having identified those issues it, it kicks off a process around exactly how you're going to sort them out. Yeah, I think the other piece for that, so for each rule type, we're capturing uh, like a fixed effort. So how many minutes or hours it would take to remediate as well as a potential financial impact. So 
Uh, if you're missing make and model of something that's out in the field, you know, the fixed effort might involve sending a technician out to actually go and determine what you've got out there because you're missing it. Um, but there could also be a fairly large financial implication for that as well, both from the potential, um, you know, the time spent for the technician going out and gathering that information or um, and maybe the, the, the effort to fix could could have a, a financial burden as well. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. It's really easy to talk about the people on the ground and how this would help them. In terms of running a business, you've got to look at a whole bunch of other factors that come into play. How does this help? with things like the confidence and accuracy that a business can look forward to for predictions or insights into what they're able to improve in terms of compliance. Yeah, this starts to hark back to the, the practical implications of it. So yeah. if you're going to run reports and analyze and make decisions based on this data, you need a certain level of confidence that, that it's accurate, you know? And yeah, there's, there potentially are huge implications, you know, we've heard um, quite unusual stories of uh, people and companies uh, promoting for a particular brand um, or style of, of, of something based on the data, you know, um, gone as far as hiring people, um, sort of upskilling in certain areas because the data indicated that's, that's a, a, a space we should be looking into. Only to find later on there were some issues that, you know, things hadn't been coded correctly. Um, could be data quality um, um, from... Uh, sort of quite a range of sources uh, it could be people just coding things in the wrong way but but yeah the flow on effects that all builds up and um, from a compliance perspective of course as well um, depending on the industry you work in the nature of uh, engagements that you have um, being able to confidently prove you know in the, in the health and safety space that includes you know being able to stand up in court and, and prove that you that you did things safely etc um yeah if you've got data issues with it if you've got confidence and reliability issues with it, it, that becomes a major issue. And as I said, I keep harking back to, I mean, we're ultimately talking about some numbers, some text in a field, so these, these types of things, but where that goes, um, you know. You make the basics sound so exciting when you say it's just numbers and text in a field, but there's huge implications, absolutely massive implications across industries. There's, those numbers are really important really important um the, the health and safety stuff i found really interesting as well because for, for my father that was a a huge area that he was really big on and obviously the rules have changed around health and safety in, in terms of what's required on sites it's different from region to region um does this system help make sure that you can track what people are doing and how safe they're being how compliant they're being with local rules that they have to deal with how, how does health and safety fit into this I think this is a perfect question for someone that's worked with our Touchstone mobile product, Richard. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, okay, if we're going to talk about that, uh, then we should. And that's exactly right. There is, uh, depending on uh, how you issue work, how you get instructions out to your workers, um, we uh, have done exactly what you're saying, Chris. You know, we, we tagged locations and assets with hazards and precautions. Um, as you said, Paul, across different sites, they might have different um, sort of procedures. Um, get that right and have an adequate mobile solution in front of you. And, you know, we're, we're really into some, some quality spaces here that allows people to be presented with warnings in advance um, and some precautions on, on how to treat those, those, those particular hazards. Get that right. wrong, though, of course. Um, 
yeah and yes there are some implications right yeah and we can obviously you're either you're uh, you're not prepared for the job you're over prepared for the job you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of um sort of hoops and and things uh, to get there and find that it wasn't actually required those flow on sort of efficiencies the work efficiencies you know, the health and safety and then ultimately the ability to prove compliance um is centered on the data so this product of course so that our service solution here um is uh, sort of hopefully targeted towards addressing those. Yeah, naturally, mobile is a great way for capturing data in the field. So, yeah, how you can fill in some of those data quality gaps is a is a big thing mm, with true. the use of mobile as well. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say as well, like um, just coming back back to data quality again. So it's it's a pretty well understood gap in the asset performance management space that data quality is a real impediment to that. So like the example before, the asset install date in the future, I mean, you, you can't do predictive maintenance if you don't know what your install date is. So we really see this as a, a good step and a good foundation footing to get you on the journey towards that APM solution. So this this isn't APM necessarily, but, but it is a start and getting a handle of data quality really sets you up to start that journey yeah i'd, I'd add on to that as well there's there's so many new features coming um and more of them to be fair are data centered um so if you haven't got your core data right that, that will eventually impede your ability to adopt these new technologies that are coming so it just sounds more and more important doesn't it chris as we go through this yeah yep absolutely <laughs> What are some of the frequently asked questions that prospect clients seem to come across with you then, that, that you've come across so far? It feels like an implementation question there to start with, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 sure. And, and I guess, yeah, what's what's involved in deploying it is a, is a great question. Um, so, yeah, we, we effectively just need a space next to the current database that runs in the customer environment. Um, we've got our base set of rules that we run through. Um, making sure that they're valid against the customer's existing Maximo environment, uh, doing an initial kind of cut of, yes, this is what we see from today. Is this crazy? Is this aligned to reality? Is there one of our standard rules that makes no sense in the customer's environment? Um, and from there, it's a bit of a little piece of measure and, and what should we do to remediate? So um, this isn't just a... Um, like a product um, placement, this come the, the service offering here comes with some service expertise as well to do an assessment of what's found and help uh, the customer on their journey towards improvement. There's probably another piece in there as well, Chris, around the, the more sort of, um, sort of custom development of local rules as well. So we should probably stress that, that whilst there's some out-of-the-box queries, um, which we've given uh, a fair bit of thought towards, um, part of the process as well is to sit down and find out what is really important to the customer as well and make sure that we capture those. Um, that could be a range of um, sort of aspects that they're looking to to look at. Um, but it's essentially just working out what, what would add value as well from, from their own local process. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I'm guessing because you're dealing with so many regions as well, um, things like GDPR comes into play a little bit when you're dealing with people's data. I'm, I'm, when you're dealing with asset management, though, I'm guessing GDPR is not such a big issue because it's not personal uh, we've, information. Uh, we've only really got um, yeah, organisational data, so GDPR is not a huge thing in this space. But 
Um, yeah, we, so, we should make a point yeah. as well. Like it, it, it sits on the customer's uh, system as well, for the most part. It sits alongside wherever their current Maximo database is. That this won't be too far away from that as well. So, how does this help then in reporting? How much easier does it make reporting? Yeah, as I mentioned at the top, uh, yeah, we've got this Power BI UI for this solution. So, if you're an existing Power BI customer, this um, uh, dashboard for data quality can can be published into a workspace in your environment. Um, so, yeah, we can be pretty seamlessly aligned with the general organisational strategy for reporting. Um, Power BI is, you know, pretty well liked out there in the market. So, um, you know, we think we've got the the right kind of engine room for um, reporting in the current solution. Yeah, and the, the flow on from that is the reporting that you do uh, should be easier with less breakages because we've addressed uh, the, the, the key issues underneath as well. And then that in turn flows on to the confidence, you know. Um, so as when you're looking at the reports that you do get up, um, you've got more confidence and you're prepared to sort of to go into bat for the insights that, it, that it's produced. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what happens then if somebody comes to you and goes, this is what I need, and then somebody else comes along after and says, yeah, but this is what we can afford. Can you do this instead? You know, the, the money men get in the way. What well, What's likely to be the outcome of something like that? Or the risks of doing something like that? Uh, look, I think we've got a fairly attractive entry price for this service. And yeah, I guess we'd hope that the value of um, finding these data quality issues and um, being able to trap off those ones that are going to happen in the future and measure from today to that, you know, one month away and go, yeah, well, we know a hundred of these things occurred in this space that the return should be pretty um, easy to justify. It's the type of thing that you would naturally say something like that, Chris. But you know, to be <laughs> honest, this is pretty, pretty well placed in the market, I would think. And it, it's a pretty set offering as well, Paul. So yeah. um, there's not a lot of scope to customize it. This is a service that we that we can deploy in. Um, It'd be one of those things, the only ones you'd be customizing is the amount of time you spend on a local business deployment development of your custom rules. And frankly, that's the bit you really would probably want to get right into. So um, we'd have that conversation, but I think the outcomes were uh, pretty impressive being subtle there, but it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what sort of time frame are people looking at then from, say, initial contact through to having everything where they need it to be, the reports are coming through, they're getting that kind of information directly to them? Yeah, look, we run the initial deployment over a two-week period. So, um, yeah, it's sort of in your hands, um, some allowance for some customization of that rule set during that time frame. Um, from there, you know, as you say, it's not just what does the tool find? It's um, what should you do about it? So working through an assessment over that first month with the customer to say, um, you know, what has it found? Not only what have we found, but what did we find that's new in that two-week period? Um, but then also doing a checkpoint after a couple of months just to come back and say, well, yep, um, so what's happened over a longer period of time? Where should we go now? What has the tool found and identified that uh, maybe we should put some measures in place to make some changes to remediate in the future. So how fast then do the clients kind of recognise that they're seeing the results? I think in that two weeks you should, um, you know, it's going to be a quick feedback cycle here. So, you know, we'd expect in, in that, that quick turnaround time you'll have some real value back from the solution.
that yeah, sounds it, it, it's the type of thing that you, you should see that value um, sort of quite quickly pull as well. So um, quite often we hear customers spend a lot of time having to manicure their data afterwards. So they extract it out, they try to run a report, it doesn't quite work, and they're chasing back um, leads to sort of bulk updates or manual updates to fix this. Um, if we can identify that um, and help put some measures in place to prevent it happening in the future as well, then um, you know, there's, there's huge benefits and hopefully relatively quickly as well. Yeah, it, it sounds like this is the tool that's going to give people exactly what they need to do what they do well. I, that's what you want from any tool, really. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right, I think that's all my questions I've got. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add? Anything people need to know? Uh, I guess just one thing from me too. So there are enterprise data quality tools out there in market. Um, I guess what we've seen with those is they're they're big, they're enterprise wide. They aim to be connected to every system you have. Um, those those tools come at a very large price point. Um, we've intentionally focused back here on an enterprise asset management solution in Maximo. Um, so we're quite tailored. Um, it's a different proposition to those big enterprise tools. Um, so, yeah, I guess just um, to alleviate any fears that this is going to come with an enorm- enormous price tag. Um, now, we've got something here we think um, you know, is, is really suitable to our customer base and, and the market, specifically in the enterprise asset management space. Yeah, I, I suppose my parting comments as well would just be simply to reach out um, Let's sort of start a conversation and see see if this could help you, basically. Excellent. Uh, if people want to reach out, what we'll do is we'll leave your contact details in the description so they can find that in the bio. Um, and if anybody wants to do that, it should be super easy. You guys are really easy to track down. I was able to corner you for this, so it must be relatively simple to find you. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Now, before we go, just make sure you take a moment to go and check us out on LinkedIn uh, for more insights and resources for EAM professionals and leaders wanting to improve asset operations and processes, efficiencies, Uh, That's also all going to be linked below. Thank you very much, guys. Have a fantastic day. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Thanks, Richard. See you later.